Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chairman Mao. Jamie Howe. Ho Chi Minh. Asif Din. Vaslav Havel. Graham Savel. No Surrender. Percy Fender. Guerrilla Crickets. Welcome to... Another Gorilla Cricket podcast. Uh, my guest today is a lifelong cricket fan. His 2015 autobiography, one of his three books, received glowing testimonials from Michael Atherton, um, World Cup rugby winner Will Greenwood, Sky Sports presenter Hayley McQueen, and many others. Uh, he was for many years a statistician for Manchester United's TV channel, has been invited to a Buckingham Palace garden party in celebration of his work, uh, and has been interviewed by John Humphreys on the Today programme, no less. Um, what makes these achievements exceptional is that Andrew Edwards is autistic and has had to use every ounce of determination and will to overcome the odds and succeed. Andrew, a very, very warm welcome to Gorilla Cricket. Thank you very much, Mr. Bishop. And that was a lovely introduction, to be honest. So, oh, yes. you're, you're, you are most welcome. Now, you. your 2015 book was called I've Got a Stat for You, uh, My Life with Autism. Now, many people may feel they know something um, but let's start, if you don't mind, with just a simple explanation of what autism is, so people kind of really understand what, what you're dealing with. Well, the technical, the definition of it would be a neurological condition uh, that is undoubtedly, I think, undoubtedly been proven to be a hereditary and genetic. Mm-hmm. Over time, that, that has become abundantly clear, both in my experiences and in life. It isn't caused by vaccines, as that has been totally disproven. It is a, it is a hereditary genetic condition, uh, and it, you, you have obsessional and addictive behaviours, and a firm basis on matters such as routine. Uh, the the, the interests you may have are 
uh, usually to the obsession of obsessional nature and also people with autism a lot of people with autism including myself over the years mm. can have such matters as eating disorders so which I didn't realize really I knew really until quite recent until about four years three and a half years ago and I volunteered with some autistic youngsters locally mm. okay now um the simple dictionary definition was an an inability to relate to other people in the outside world, but that kind of oversimplifies it. Rather oversimplifies it, doesn't it? That's in my memoirs, Mr Bishop. I put that in my memoirs. I think sometimes it's a very broad spectrum. It's a spectral condition. And it is termed that for a reason. Like, I said this in my memoirs five and a half years ago now, where Lionel Messi's autistic, Anthony Hopkins is autistic, yeah. Uh, Marshall Mathers the third Eminem's autistic, Gordon Brown's autistic, Robbie Williams is autistic. But the thing is, so that gives you one end of the spectrum. But then there's some people who are autistic who can't talk, mm. are non-verbal, a lot are non-verbal, and people who may actually be very physically impaired as well. Mm-hmm. So you got like. Like I say, Lionel Messi, matter of opinion, is uh, definitely one of the two best footballers of his generation, but undoubtedly so. So he's autistic, and like I say, he can actually be Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, uh, and actually be autistic as well. So, so okay, um, wow, wow. Well, so um, tell us a little bit how the writing of the book came about. Now I've thoroughly enjoyed reading it sometimes it's oh, quite a painful much. read um i found myself getting angry on your behalf mm-hmm. at some of the lack of understanding from people uh, who i felt and you felt i think should really know better um but tell us a little bit what 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 brought you to take everything you'd experienced and and get it down on paper and so other people could could understand it well, I, I got to a juncture in my life when I'd just been made redundant from Manchester United Television. Mm. Due to not Manchester United Television, because they were, they didn't mind if I decided to do that. But I, I was prohibited because we, at that time, we were, well, they still are after I've left, completely different environment now. They're fully owned by Manchester United, mm. FC, Limited. And they, wouldn't let me mention Manchester United or as a child of Manchester United fan. So that, that, that was on the back burner then. When I was made redundant uh, on 21st, Monday, 21st of April 2014, mm-hmm. the day that David Moyes was made was, was sacked as Manchester manager. Oh, right. But uh, I wish, I wish in a lot of ways, it'd have been quite a better story if I was made redundant the day that Sir Alex Ferguson retired. But that would have been a hell of a story. But no, it's David Moyes. But the thing is, after that, uh, all my support was going to be cut by the by the services, the mm. the health health services. Uh, my brother-in-law, who was my support worker for seventeen and a half years up until the age of twenty-nine, mm-hmm. he was going as well. Although he lives next door with my sister, my niece, at the time when the monk was at my, my my nephew, who just gone to uni, but then he lives in Wigan now. But uh, his partner and his daughter. But, they were, but the but well, that made me set my sister step up and become my care in the day after speech. Mm. We'll, we'll talk about it more. At the time, my beloved mother was still alive, but my sister 
Melanie, Melanie Beckley, who lives next door, mm. uh, realised that I wasn't going to rot and she was going to put everything into me and she wanted to help me fulfil the dream of writing memoirs. So I thought I'd live a moderately interesting life mm-hmm. and I felt I had the ability to articulate it and I, and I certainly did, wouldn't need a ghostwriter like no disrespect, like some cricket autobiographies, for instance, have. <laughs> a lot of sports ones, for sure. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, not just sports ones, but I, I don't sound cynical, but there's probably a book out by Captain Tom Morgan at the moment. I'm not being awful. I really, no disrespect, I really would assume that's been written by, by, by a ghostwriter as well. Mm. But like with mine, it was, I felt I had the ability to articulate dates because my mum my ma, well, and I kept the papers from meetings. There's some items of the past that we could have mentioned due to legal reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter four, for instance. Mm-hmm. And my sister got up the feelings and emotions to make what she was with them. Well, you, you, you've the, mentioned the total package of the of the development of the book. Well, you've mentioned so, a couple of things there, Andrew. So, so one, I mean, let's jump to it now. Throughout the book, through all the challenges and difficulties and obstacles that are put in your way, and the misunderstanding and and and, and the abuse that you, you you have to deal with, your mum was an absolute rock who motivated you supported you stood by you at, at, at every turn I mean, you know, uh, put my, not my headphones off she um she kind of is there right the way through your book through the book at, at your side isn't she she's quite an inspirational well, figure just, in your life not just at my side once one step in front mm. oh, i've been right. discussing this with my sister now because because unfortunately my beloved man passed away quite suddenly uh, on December 18th, 2020, mm. uh, at Rexham Hospital. We didn't get to say goodbye to her, uh, which I can't, which personally is not the ideal scenario. Mm. But hundreds of millions have done it, apart from Tom Moore's family in the last year, where it was very sudden, like eight days before, she accompanied me to the gym. Queen mm. Teddy's like chill 25 minutes. I was a passenger in the back, my sister driving. I mean, the front passengers, four mornings a week, she accompanied me at that gym. They not shine, she put all her money into that, into mm. that, that the gym for both me and Melanie. And nine days before I passed away, she gave me Chester Backwax in the kitchen. And six days before she passed away, she made a big fuss of her newborn great granddaughter, Olivia, my, 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 my nephew's, my nephew's daughter. My nephew Lewis, Lewis Beckley, L-U-I-S, Beckley, who's actually middle names after me. Uh, Andrew, well, we've said a lot of stories, me and him have a cricket, many stories. Mm. But but it was very sudden. Like It was COPD, which she'd had for some years off and on. Well, not off and on, I think she'd had it for some years. She was sort of diagnosed, I think, with that probably mm. about 96. But... Uh, she had a urinary tract infection, and then when she went to the hospital, within, when they gave her a test, she tested positive for coronavirus, COVID. So then after that, we were told a matter of time before she goes. So well, she good. lived another two days and probably was fighting to the very end, not wanting to wear a bar, not wanting to wear a, 
oxygen mask. But then the thing is with her, she adapted quite well during the pandemic because she probably would have had an exemption without wearing a facial covering. But she always wanted to wear a facial covering. She was very careful during the mm -hmm. pandemic. Yeah. And, and not just some of that, but for a lot of people, especially older people, who said the last year of their lives, they've had this pandemic. Now I'm lucky I'm only 36. I've got plenty, I'd like to think I've got plenty of years left. But she adapted to it quite well. Yeah, I think it took its toll on her emotionally. Like, for instance, she used to be able to, with the aid of her crutch, walk about a quarter of a mile from the, from the gym to the local spa to get a pension and thought as a benefit for me in Queen's Ferry on a Monday uh, from the gym. And then after the first lockdown, it was she had to take in a wheelchair to go that far, but she still was very mobile around the house. She was the leader. She was... The leader, if anything needed sorted, I'll do it. I'll do it. Give me the phone, I'll sort it. Give me the phone, I'll sort it. Even to the, and it's like, it was, so she actually inadvertently gave me a love of cricket. Well, we, we, we will come on to the, the very much. We're going to come on to the love of cricket. Don't worry, I've got lots of questions like, for you she, about that. She, 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 like probably engaged from, from reading the memoirs. <clears throat> Chapter one and chapter four were the toughest for her regarding my upbringing. Well, well, let me just ask you because um, there's a couple of things that I, I, you know, I really were inspiring to read, but hard to read just because of the, the things you'd been through. Um, one was, you know, mistreatment and bullying at school by I think a teacher or teachers, and mm -hmm. the fight that you yeah. went through. To, well, um, your, well and your mum was very much a part of um, well, getting justice there. there, really, wasn't she? Well, uh, for reasons that I can't go into, the mm. uh, one on chapter four, for reasons that I can't go into on air, uh, I get a constant reminder of that constantly on my phone through no fault of my own. Yeah, because I can. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when we finish the interview why that is. Okay, but but. The thing is, we got what we could, and that was, I'm being honest, what she got at the end out of the Criminal Injuries Compensation Authority, it's been a big big help in her passing because it's sort of a very small amount it was, very small, but it's, well, undoubtedly enabled me to pay the bills on the house to be honest in, in well, that, that, that was so, good and one, one of the other things so, you talk about is um a distrust of the media which i think is well rather sort of crass misrepresentation of autism well, and what it is i think there's one particular yeah. sunday newspaper you mentioned yes yes that was, that was quite that was a darkly humorous story to put it mildly mm. i'd won an award in Cardiff, in Cardiff, a Welsh National Young Volunteer Award, mm. but not far from the Senate, at the Norwegian Church. And that was for a speech I gave to some teenagers about my non-profit speeches, Teenagers mm. in the Village of Lie, which the most 1985 old Snoopy chapter Dennis Taylor lives. And I don't know if you remember, former Nottingham Forest, Derby, uh, Birmingham City, Wales Football 70s, Teddy Hennessy's from there. Mm. Uh, Mark used the first four years of his life there before moving to Ruabon. 
and being the most parents divorced. And I don't know if you remember the football of the 90s to play for Crystal Palace and Spurs. Chris Armstrong grew up there. Yes, I do. Yeah, and uh, he grew up in the Venetian line. He was born in Newcastle, but he was he was adopted and he went to live in Fly. Anyway, and the thing was, I gave a speech to a youth club in Fly, and, uh, and uh, the lady that organised it, Mm-hmm. Uh, don't for the squad, so I'll sign that, you know, whatever. Then I got an email. I got an email. I remember it was the day before the FA Cup final in 2008, Portsmouth Cardiff. But one of the more interesting cup finals, shall we say? Yeah. Well, well, Cardiff were in the championship, and Portsmouth were. Well, Portsmouth got United at the quarter final in uh, mm-hmm. in uh, that year, 2008. Uh, I think John uh, Kuzak was sent off, wasn't he? And United ended up with a was it real firm and goal in that game. Even mm. in New Zealand at the time. It was the test where where it was Harmus, it was Hoggard's last test. Yeah. And they decided then after that to bring Anderson abroad in and partner them up. Well, uh, what a what a gateway to a, a long term future that that happened well, to be for those two. <laughs> well they did, didn't it, really? Because Broad had only made his test debut a few a few matches before, a few months before in Sri Lanka. Mm. First test in Sri Lanka, which not exactly the best places of fast medium sea ball to make your test debut, but uh, so I was nominated for that. Won the award in Cardiff. I got got, got mm. the nominated. Well, got the, well, found out I'd won it. I went there in June. So the thing is with the that after that we, we publicised it in like the Daily Post, BBC Wales website. Mm. There's articles still online. Uh, the BBC Wales were going to cover me. They followed me to a T20 Roses match in Old Safford because I was a member at the time of Lancashire for 11 mm-hmm. and a half years. And we didn't want that because it's getting a bit wrong because my employers at Manchester Television were very protective over me and so forth. But And then my made this comment that we always say, what, what the specialist said, which is on the back of the book, which since then, I've, I'll say it willingly, the specialist told my, my mother upon diagnosed my mum and I, Upon diagnosing me, go home and watch your man. It is like being yeah. somewhere institutionalised. That was in the Daily Post and so forth, the North Wales newspaper. And uh, then on the Sunday, we we had a bit of a get together for my nephew's twelfth birthday, Lewis. And next morning, I, for some reason, I just don't know why, I stayed in, slept in till after lunch, and that is so unlike mm. me. Mm-hmm. Usually, I put the cracker on like I've been up since half past three this morning for obvious reasons for the test, but. The thing is, and then I got a, a text off one of my best mates, Paz, Pazman, mm-hmm. and he said, well, a close mate of mine, and said, you on page 13 of the News of the World, the W Rain Man new fan. I read it, and it was like, very much insinuating that all my co- mates and co-workers at Manchester United Television called me Rain Man, which... Which which was very irresponsible of them. But then, then an interesting story after that, I was on... Well, I was actually self-classed as self-employed unknowingly mm. at the time. Uh, but I classed myself very much employed at Manchester United Television, even though for some reason we got sorted later. But I went back after my that was summer break, and someone who became the managing director of MUTV, which became my line manager briefly, turn of the last decade. Right. And she said, uh, we had Richard and Judy on the phone. From Channel Four, they wanted you on. We turned them down point blank because because we 
we wanted to protect you. And I thought, oh, thank you for that. And we didn't know what Richard Maidley would be likely to say, what inappropriate comment he would likely to unwittingly say. So that was good for me. So they were actually worried that, you know, having seen the example of the news of the world sort of no, crass and ill-informed. They were worried generally because of it being the media. And I think they're always Manchester United, less, less so on TV. Manchester United are very concerned with their reputation. Very concerned yeah. with it. Well, certainly at MUTV, I think we're concerned that... Oh, I'm with you, yeah. Because and MUTV were separate offices, separate... Yeah. MUTV was based in Deansgate by the Hilton, by the Old Granada Studios, and obviously Manchester United were based at Old Trafford. And very different ethoses. Manchester United, very corporate. MUTV, very creative environment. And there's only going to be one winner there, which... Was coming to fruition as I was as I was making that. Yeah. But the thing was, uh, they were, I think they were concerned. I thought to dig a hole for myself unwittingly. But then after that, I've changed my attitude now because with mm. life experience. To be honest. Well, you've become quite a media professional. With, I heard your interview with John Humphreys, who would terrify me, and you, <laughs> you, you were terrific. <laughs> and I was telling something. I was told when we when we phoned. I, I, I probably, the thing with the Today programme was I didn't realise how popular it was. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. because because I just thought oh, it's just what my auntie and Uncle Jim, my my, my my late Uncle Jim, used to listen to uh, my godparents. So. Uncle Jim listens to the TV programme. I was like, I came up with John Humphreys every morning. Well, that's what I, th- I, I, that's what I, th- I just thought. I didn't realise that it's got more listeners than any TV at that equivalent time in the United Kingdom. And yeah. only the Radio, radio 2 Breakfast show has more listeners. Extraordinary. So, and when I realised, oh, my God, he's going to eat me alive. So I rang them up. I rang one of the producers up, someone called mm-hmm. Julian, who saw, was like the, the very initial contact with a lady, a lovely lady called Katie Inman, sorted it out, really. And I rang her and said, uh, is he going to eat me alive? said, you're not a politician, you're not a business person, you'll be fine. And then yes. how, the, how it came about was, it was before I had to publish it, because I've written the memoirs, this is a great story, it actually comes across as a bit of a bluff, really, in a lot of his. Because I, I, I hadn't published yet. I'd written the memoirs. I'd been turned down by quite a few publishers, including the one, ones that class themselves as the authors and publisher, Jessica Keefe, the publishing, mm-hmm. who turned me down in a day without actually reading any, any, of, my, any of my writings, apart from my, just like an idea of it. Yes. And others turned me down. Some were suited, some were not. We went through all the names in the... the Author's yearbook that we got, we got uh-huh. from Waterstones, and Ma went through that. She phoned one, let's see, eighty one six times, and he, <laughs> she knew she was six times accidentally because she'd gone through them all. So then we just thought we'll get into media companies, see if anything can publicise it. She turned me down, didn't get back. So then my nephew said, my nephew Louis says to Ma, says to Ma, Ma, Ma some of my lectures are listening to today programme on Radio 4, like Auntie Shireen does, or Uncle Jimbo do. Why didn't you get in touch with them? So I got on the phone to them. I sent an email, because I'm quite a long, long-winded writer, long-form writer. And anyway, they, they, I was, I was, I was in the, what was then my favourite coffee shop in the northern quarter of Manchester. 
I was going to watch 12 Angry Men that night at the Salford Lowry with my nephew, Lewis. And they're out of the blue, unknown number. Oh, hello, I'm Katie Inman from, from BBC Radio 4. I couldn't really hear her, so I had to <laughs> cut the call short because it was it was not great reception. It was quite busy. It was like tea time. And then, then they rang me, she rang me the next day. had a big, long 30-minute conversation. She spoke to me. She spoke to my sister. spoke to me. spoke to Melanie. spoke to Ma, I think. And then... Emails got sent across the week and phone calls exchanged and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the day I record, day before I recorded the interview, I got to Glendale University in Wrexham, in the media industries department of Glendale University. John Humphreys was in his house in Mervyn's Court Park in West London. Katie uh-huh. was in Broadcasting House. Thought like, it was okay. And they actually got got me on the Today program. No physical product, no existing product of it. Very little about me online at the time. Yeah, because I was because I was trying to avoid that at the time because and it was a bit got a bit the other way then after MUTV mm-hmm. when I was at MUTV. So. Then they got me on. So I just sent three I sent three times to chapters. Yeah. And interview, interviewed me, interviewed me. When I actually went out on air on, on Easter Saturday 2015, I recorded it on Easter Thursday, I'd, I'd gone for a run. Wow. So I didn't realise I didn't realise the enormity gone for a run with my sister. I didn't actually realise the enormity of what I achieved until several months later. So wow, no, fantastic. When I, when I used to, and then after that, because we didn't have a DAB in the car at the time, mm. I used to listen to it every morning on the way to the on the way to the gym. So probably the last half an hour of it, let's just say, because I'd listen to Sean Keegan on music and all that. Well, no, you, you, you come across quite brilliantly in it, I must say. Let me let me just ask you before we before we get on to cricket. I want to ask you about a line in the book that really struck me. You 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 say two things actually, which hit me. One is that. You describe your autism as uh, both a, bl- a, a, a blessing and a curse. Yes, and then you have this wonderful, wonderful line. You have this wonderful line, despite the sort of bullying and mistreatment that you, you've you, you you you've talked about. Some of which you said you can't talk about. Um, but what you say is, it's something they have to live with, not me. Which seemed to me such a brilliant way of reflecting back onto people who are ignorant and unfair and cruel. Um, the fact that it's their problem, not yours. Because at the end of the day, I can't. I can't. Like I found with the pandemic, I can't. I can't be held accountable for the mistakes of politicians. I can't be held accountable for all this situation. Only thing, and I, I'm not in control of very much. Only matters I'm in control of. It's my conduct, the way I conduct myself, because that's all. That's all we all we can do: conduct mm-hmm. ourselves the best way we can. We can't be held accountable for other people or other situations, like because what we have in life is very very little of what we what we would crave in life is very much out of our control. And I've I learned that very very recently with pandemic, and it makes you more grateful. But end of the day, going back to that. I can't. I, I can say, and my my mum, when, when she was physically here, she can say 
she did everything for me, more than that, more than that, mm-hmm. more than the job's worth. And I, I did, I, I just went to, to those places on, just on those days as pretty much an innocent child. Mm-hmm. I think people, I think there's people out there have had a lot worse than me, admittedly. So I don't try and, I don't try and, I'm not naive enough or egotistical enough or always me to think, well, people have had a lot worse. I can think of a lot worse situations that can happen than that. That happens to other people. So I try keeping the positive, positive mental attitude and controlling the controllables. But I just think you can't be held accountable for other people's actions, can you? No, and you, 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 yeah, you get we, that we, we always think we live in New Zealand, don't we? We always think yeah. we live in New Zealand, just as our day as Prime Minister, but that's <laughs> how to back control that is. So yeah, that's been a... What's immediately in front of us, we can't be held accountable for what those people allegedly did to me. And I use that to very loose, in the loosest sense of possible. Yeah. But they've got to, one of these days, those people have to, and I didn't have it, as bad as most people got that 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 have had it. Certainly, some 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 matters. But then, if I'd have done that, and there's some things in my life I've got done in the past that I have to live with, I'm not proud of. But they have they have to live with that as well. So, and that's yeah. not and that's. And you you get that point across very well. Now, look, the book is a is a is a terrific read it's it's quite inspirational uh, but there is a lot of cricket in there which is oh, why you're why we're here on a cricket show andrew so tell tell us a little bit um about how cricket came into your life because it was from a very young age wasn't it six i was six years of age uh my my ma packed me this packed a six-year-old autistic son in front of the television mm. to watch the bbc coverage of the 1991 wisdom trophy in the west indies and I just ended up being captivated by Richie Berno's commentaries. And after that, it was a tough time in my life for other reasons. And, she, and then after that, she encouraged me. She'd be my net bowler. She'd be my net bowler in the garden. What, the what did she bowl? Over that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But so she was my net bowler. Nothing was too much trouble. We yeah. played in the front garden. Playing the front garden, we played in the back garden. Mm-hmm. Nothing was too much trouble. And when the ball went on our garage roof, bearing in mind she was either side of 50 at the time, yeah. she would, would climb up onto the garage roof without the need of a lad, the aid of a ladder and get the ball and come jump back down. Which sort of not only belied her age at the time, because she was not up to an older mother at the time, because she was 41, almost 42 mm-hmm. when she had me. I was I'm, I'm the youngest child of today, but but the thing was, she was never old in her, in her ways. She was very modern, even to the day she passed away. Very modern, very active, emotionally active, very modern. Not prudish, very modern, very progressive. Mm. People half an age as progressive as what my man was. Anyway, and she climbed up the roof, and that was that. That athleticism undoubtedly came from her. Younger days as a Latin American ballroom dancer, which oh, wow. when she represented Wales at the Royal Albert Hall in about the 19th, in the late 1960s, and I haven't got that natural athleticism, and neither has Melanie. But one thing we do have, mm. which has enabled us to become a lot more athletic, both me and my sister Melanie, is we have 
that don't give her attitude that my that our mother had. Wow. So I don't give her attitude. And like if you look at my website when you when you get a chance to get this also gym videos of me. And that hasn't come naturally to me. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, fitness, okay. because that's that's okay. very much a subject of uh, uh, your second book, I think. Well, so you've been a cricket fan since you were seven. Six, uh, six, six. I beg your pardon. Uh, but you play as well, don't you? Yes, I play in Sopshire League Division, Sopshire County, County Cricket League Division 7, which Church seconds. Mm. Obviously, Sopshire is over the board in England. Our well, the club I play for, Church Seconds, is what is mm. Welsh. It's just over the border into Wrexham County. Oh right. And we're not, and we're not the only club that played Sopshire that's Welsh. They have like Welsh, of course, Nidlois, Newtown, uh, Montgomery, Alberbury. I think are classed as Welsh. I played there last year. Lovely grounds on a farm, and there's a lovely bunch, Alberbury. Mm. And who else is classed as Welsh in the league? Montgomery. Uh, Gillsfield, Gillsfield. So it's like seven. It's like seven clubs, and we were in North Wales up in, in my first season. Yes, but we decided to move across the Shropshire because the North Wales League had seen better days, to put it now. Oh, right, yeah. The North Wales League was of a far better standard in the eighties and the nineties. When brings you up to some more of my work, I wrote a book on the history of Brumble football and cricket, a village in Wrexham. Quite a big village, actually. It's actually too big to be in the National Village Knockout. It's quite by far. So Brumbo in Welsh cricket in the 80s and 90s were the, were the big, biggest club in Welsh cricket, probably. Got to seven Welsh Cup finals in 12 years, winning three. Wow. Yeah. And, and even though Mark Wheel, who I trained with their seconds when I was a teenager, won the National Village Knockout in 1980 mm. 1984, and in the 1990s ended up playing in the Liverpool, Liverpool competition, well, they were not, they were, that they were never as they were seldom as good as Brumbo. Well, now so, you, you tell one story you, you you tell in the book, which I think is really lovely, is the, the your 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 debut. Uh, oh, I, yes. I'm assuming that, for for that church. Was actually, that wasn't actually in the book, that to be honest. Oh, it wasn't was it? After, oh, well, it's it a lovely story. So after, it is indeed. It was after yeah. the book came out. It was to be honest. Oh, right. Okay. It was. A, it was. A, you may have seen it on, in, on an interview I gave uh, to BBC Sport. That's right. Yes, that's where I saw it. And, yes, uh, and it was uh, we, we, we're actually still in North Wales. First game, first game for me, and it was a lovely second, lovely second bank holiday Monday of May 2018. Boiling. I, I took my box with me just as an introduction to the people there. Mm. <clears throat> uh, I got left off the cap. I've been for a walk, but compassionate walk mm-hmm. just one time. Mr. Mr. Ian Skinner, and just because I showed the box and so forth, and they were a lovely, lovely bunch from the moment I set, set foot through the gates of the three years Hollyhead Road. And then we rattled up about, in our 40-year-olds, we rattled up about 225, 230, mm. about five, five down. <clears throat> and then we went, we were bowling, bowling, interesting. The reason I joined Turk was because they had to concede the seconds because they had to concede a lot of matches due to lack of players. Right. I wanted initially to join them because I wanted to be pretty much knowing I'm playing every week without mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I'm playing every week, I'm playing every week and whatever. And I also did my research on them, background research on them because that was my job at Manchester Television. And, and I'm very adept at that, I'd like to think. And it turned out they had sort of a girl with autism that played the plays as well. 
Oh, right. So and her, and her family are involved with the club as well. Yeah. Her brother plays, the, the autistic girl that plays with me. Not, not, sorry, I don't mean it that way. But plays plays in the, in the seconds. Yeah. Her yes. brother plays in the seconds. And their dad plays in the, is a, like a club legend in the first. Oh, wow. It was over many, many, many years. But, and in the story you tell, you, you, I think you dropped the first catch, but I did. the and next I also, one. I, I, yeah. I know. And I, well, the thing was, I wasn't, it, it was lost, lost, sorry, it was, sorry, it was getting towards, probably yeah. about, there was a one o'clock start, because it was one o'clock in, in, in North Wales there. And probably he was getting to about five o'clock, so still going a bit lower. So I forgot to put my son hat on. Right. I haven't, after the after I put it back on now, I've never taken it off ever since when I've been there. So I'm going to drop the first catch. It's an easy catch. Couldn't see it. So I just have to go like that. All right. The next one, two overs later, and it was the same batsman, a batter called Ben Katarzyn's son, Darren. Yeah. Who it's easy to remember because it's the amalgam of two elite level Indian umpires. Well, I was about to say, I, I thinking of Sundaram Ravi for a start, who's an umpire, yeah, isn't he, I, these days? Then, yeah, so, And of course, Ben Cat. He's not actually on the list now, elite level list, Sundaram uh, Ravi, and I wonder why he wasn't exactly the best for the let's be honest. No, well, yes. And, uh, and, uh, I'd send him a Maybe that's why we remember him. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, I remember because no disrespect, as it has been discussed to, to death recently. For a, for a nation of such power in cricket, Indian have a very, very poor bunch of umpires, no disrespect, or very inexperienced umpires. When you consider other less affluent cricketing nations how can produce umpires, mm. why can't India? But like I said, another point, and then the second catch came to me, it was tougher. Mm. So someone told me I had it. I just had it. You know, sometimes I don't I'm guessing you've played village cricket, Tony. Yes, yes. Um, you, you know, sometimes when you've got a catch, you know, sometimes as it's halfway through you. Anyway, I knew that, so I put my hands up and I grabbed it. And then, as I took the catch, my teammates thought about congratulating me. But by this time, I'm 50 yards away, <laughs> running down like Imran Tahir on acid. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> There's I, a thought. <laughs> I know. And like I say, whenever I take a wicket, I do that. Yeah. Well, and I take a wicket, I, I do that. Because we're taking eight wickets at an average of 32 over three seasons. That's pretty good. What do you bowl? Time to bowl a little bit of self. Very slow build. It obviously works. Well, yeah. Well, we might have I, a T-shirt for you. <laughs> well, it's not a lot of felt in it. It was a lot of double bull bungers and double bounces and stuff. Now this year, I've lost a bit of confidence towards the end of last season, but that's what I'm going right. to do when I play it this year. I'm just going mm. to toss it up high and let it come down. To be honest, I did play the, with the way the leagues were set up with, with COVID, the bridge season, we were playing against yeah. a couple of teams. There were really a couple of divisions higher than us. So we gave them a good game. We lost, but we gave them a good game. One of them we actually beat, there was a division higher than us. But but the, the, play, the batters were generally better last year, and I didn't bowl as well. But the thing was, eight wickets of 32, and I scored, scored my first three runs last year. Fantastic! Where, well done, you. Where there was a bit of a long drawn I Because fortunately, I got the picture of you scoring my first run at Welshpool Seconds. Yeah. Where my dream, my Welshpool Town player, you may remember, were one of the top clubs in the Welsh Premier in the mid noughties. How you mean? Okay, not know a bit about Welsh, Welsh domestic football. Uh, 
and the football ground player, football club play there as well. But they're not now. They've gone really downhill since Chris Kamara played with Paul Merce to play for them. Oh, I've got less distance because they were on hard times. I think they ended up like the best side in the club in Longspool. But then, then I scored my first run. It was mm-hmm. like a cut shot. I just ran. I should have been run out by about 11 yards. They fumbled it. I got the other. And I went, yes! <laughs> and people are wondering what they're doing. But Mr. Skinner, my captain, was being a player umpire at the time. He said, it's his first ever run. Well <laughs> done. Well, well happened, done. What happened then? What happened then? Were people who were watching on the side. Yeah. My teammates gave me a standing applause. Give me a round of applause. And of people that I was talking to on the side from Marshall, they, they applauded as well. But I feel a bit, perhaps it's my personality coming out there and the person I am. Yeah. But a, a young a, a young gentleman, we've got the place for the seconds, who's from Senate in Bangladesh originally. And he made his debut for me in 20, uh, a game after me in 2018. And he's got more wickets than me. He's a better baller than me. But uh, he he scored his first run that day, and we didn't know until the until the end of the match. Wow, what a, what a coincidence! He, and, he, what a, and he didn't tell any of us. But now you're a Lancashire fan, aren't you? Now I've got a confession yes. I have to make to you for you, because I knew you were from Wrexham. Obviously, yes. um, I was thinking, well, surely Glamorgan would be no, no, the main no. one. But then I looked at a map and I yes. worked out that. <laughs> to get to Manchester is about an hour, yes, and to get to get to Cardiff is about three hours. So I thought, well, yes. uh, now I can see why you're going to be it's a Lancashire actually, fan. Well, there's, well, there's a few there's a few reasons behind that. Yes, it's a popular misconception to make that, Mister Bishop. Uh, actually, I could probably get to most county headquarters quicker than I could get to Spy Gardens by car or train. Yes. I get yeah. to Nottingham, Durham, Derby, yeah. Headingley, Worcester. Uh, Obviously, Lancashire. I get to Lords quicker than the than, Sapphire than Gardens if I go by train from Chester. Yeah. Um, and it's a possible misconception to me because this is an interesting point generally when you think of the pandemic because, and it shows what, how idiotic some of the political decisions. Again, say this is a Labour vote, so it's a Labour watch government that's been since the start of the, start of the revolution. But when you're making such contrary decisions, either because you must underlyingly want Welsh independence, which is not going to happen like Scotland, because the thing is with Wales, we're very much geographically linked into England, whatever way we look at it. Two-thirds of Wales is within a 45-minute drive of the border in England. Yeah. Well, within an hour and a half, you get from the far west of Wales to the over the border within an hour and a half. Scotland, on the other hand, Two and a half hours drive to the nearest to the nearest major place in England, which is Newcastle. Two and a half hours drive. Yeah. So, and it just baffles me. So, it's a popular misconception to make. It was a, always a Mickey take of me and MUT. Do you support Glamorgan? No. And what also irritates? Well, it's actually statistically, there's only actually ever been two North Wavians in the history of Lancashire County Cricket Club that actually play for two North Wavians history of Lancashire County Cricket Club to play for play for Lancashire. Who were they? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I may be mistaken. I think one may have been Bob Barber. Bob mm-hmm. Barber. I don't think he played for Lancaster, did he? Bob Barber. You'll put the batting of a boycott for England, Bob Barber. Oh, right. Yes, yes. And uh, in the 60s, it was like the famous story boycott said about him deliberately running him out because he was tired because Bob Barber was big one run. Yeah. And uh, in Australia, in the 63, 64, when people were getting battered, I think. Uh, 
are the one before the 70-70 world mug. And it's just a popular misconception today because, and I see people in the clubs as near as Manchester and cognizant of how close they actually are to be Welsh. Yeah. Geographically, <laughs> geographically, Manchester is it's, it's, it's close. It's less time to drive from Manchester to over the border than what it's from Manchester to Leeds. No, 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 it is. Now, who, so uh, you've been going every, to the Saturday of every Old Trafford test, haven't you, since about 1998? Yes. Um, you're a Lancashire follower. Who stands out in your memory? What what occasions at Old Trafford do you remember most fondly? Uh, Any time involving Andrew Flintoff, really, because <laughs> he, always, he, always, he always used to, he sponsored me once. At a, yes, he did. International against Sir Lancashire in July 2002. Mm-hmm. Be 10 quid. He always used to he always used to he always used to remember me did Andrew Flintoff. I don't believe Colin Freddy, that's not his name. It's Andrew Flintoff. And he was I'm being honest, in that era, the players were more approachable, which isn't necessarily the players' thoughts because and then I Lancashire, not the club it was, it's every it's just a mini Manchester United now, which it's corporate, it knows the price of everything, the value of NAFAR. <laughs> yeah. But like Manchester United do, to put it mildly, the corporate side of Manchester United. And Lancashire, and not you can't even watch the members get treated appallingly. That's why so many, the vast majority of members have left. You look at clubs like Surrey, I think even, I heard Nottinghamshire, they're extending their memberships. Mm. Lancashire, it's the most expensive membership in the country, and you don't even get the limited overs games. Um, well, you didn't, well, when I first became a member in 2004, before I left in 2015, you got everything for 52 quid. So, as a disabled member, so it's a long way. I used to be able to sit in the pavilion mm-hmm. and you'd be all these cricketing heroes, you name it, coming, coming up, Andrew Flintoff, you name it at the time. And they'd, they'd play in there. I, I, I was going to ask you about Andrew Flintoff because you, you, you were trying to get sponsored for a, a was it a run or a walk and um, uh, a, you just asked him and he was helped you out like a shot didn't he yeah he did actually I just took it on the, on, on the off chance he just filled in £10 so you come for it later yeah. and I, I did it the interviews interval that he'd been rolling you know, because England, England were in the field and I think Sri Lanka got 220 yard England got about 180 yard it was a lower scoring game as it, tend, as it tended to be sometimes Years gone by, and he just the, the, the person on the gate on the, on the by the door of the of the dressers. He's giving mm-hmm. it here. Here you go, mate. And I think fundamentally, he's a very very nice man. I don't think he's the most analytical cricket mind like Michael Atherton. And I don't think it's I don't think it's remiss of me to say that very different characters. I think it's well publicised that they didn't particularly get on. This is Mike Atherton and yes, Freddie Flintoff, right? Yeah, I, I think can they were very, possibly I see that. <laughs> I don't think they got on very well as team. It's just very different attitudes, very different mindsets. Yeah. And obviously they've worked together for Sky a few times. Yeah. But the thing is, it's quite... And the thing is, well, like, well, Lancashire, when I was growing up, they were the one-day team. The 90s, mm. they had like Akwazi Makam, one of the two cricketers I'd love to meet that I haven't met. The other one be Steve War. Oh, right. And, and he was the man. And then you had basically the entire England one day team played for Lancashire. And then you had obviously had David Bumble Lloyd as coach. 
And then after that, yeah, Dave Watmore, who come straight from Who is your favourite? Who's your favourite uh, cricketer, Andrew? Ever? Yeah. To be honest, as you, to be honest. Because like it may have changed since when you, because uh, you did say in, I think in the book Alex or in Stewart one of your, yeah, Alex Stewart. Alex Stewart when I was when I was very young, right? He's someone I admire from another age. I think my current favourite cricketer is Moeen Ali. Ah, Moeen Ali's right. Yeah, yeah. England and Wales cricketer because I like the fact he's got a social conscience mm. and and I like his attitude, his, his social conscience. I like. I like the way he conducts himself. I think he's got—he's got, he's fantastic the way he conducts himself. He's got a mm. social conscience, which I think it's safe to say most, most, I think level sports people don't have a social conscience, and that's why it was so refreshing and so odd in lots of ways. Marcus Rashford uh, achieving what he did, especially being a Manchester United footballer, where usually Manchester United footballers are very much discouraged from doing such matters. Well, he inspired so, a lot of people, did Marcus Rashford, yeah, but, uh, including I, us. I, I, we raised yeah, a lot well, of money on the back of his activities. But yeah, usually Manchester United footballers are very discouraged from, from being like that, and very discouraged from having any opinion on footballers I generally. So it was quite refreshing that. And it's a sorry state of affairs where Marcus Rashford has made, as a fo- young footballer, has made, poli- has made politicians do what they should be doing anyway, what they get paid to do. So He's used his voice. Very well. Yeah, but like I say, fact, like I say, Moeen Ali's my favourite cricketer currently. I know he's coming towards the end now, so he, I doubt he'll play another test, unfortunately. So I kind but, of agree with you. But then the thing is, my favourite cricketers over time, probably Steve Waugh. Right, uh, yeah. Uh, Kumar Sangakara. Oh, I'm with you on that Kumar one. Sangakara. A joy, Kumar an absolute Sangakara. joy to watch. Well, not just that. I actually see him score his 100 at Lords, and mm. he was Moeen Ali's first test wicket. Uh, he was, yes, he was. But he, he was Ali's first test wicket. I remember about an over before, I was with me Stuart Gann, who's a presenter commentator for MUC, we went and tested against the 2014, Ali's test debut. And Sega Khan had just got his hundred, he got the Lord's on the board finally. And he, and, and he said to me, Mr. Gardner, he said, if Moeen Ali gets the wicket, I'll eat my hat. Well, I think you've got eight of over a hundred eighty hats now, Mister Gardner, especially well, after yeah. all the kitty top. Because being honest, what the thing is, my boy Alec, I think he's the ultimate team player as well. But I never from opener to nine. I know he's really sacrificed his batting for the England, for the sake of the England Wales team, and also other players are quite like. I, I, I always like the watching line of that mm. at his best. I like Graeme Swan. I, no, no, there's a story about you and Graham Swan, which I saw he, about you singing charlatan songs with him, right? He really did telling stories on the old Tafford balcony. It was uh, it was a rain-affected 50-over friends Provident group match, second yeah. bank holiday Monday of 2006. He's a bit of a character, but I don't necessarily think he's, unfortunately, the best test match commentator, but it's my own thing. I don't think he's... Is, is, He's not exactly when I want to watch test cricket. I want someone like a bumble who's, who's fun, but is very analytical. Yeah. But I also like people who are very, very analytical generally regarding test cricket. Because people like, let me go look at Nassau Sain. Nassau Sain's a lovely book. He had a copy of my then, Yeah. I just forgot to give a business card because I think he probably would have emailed me. So, <laughs> anyway, and because he said he'd give me feedback, but I didn't actually give him a business card. He's unlike me, man. And so, I, I like the fact when Nasser said he's captaining the game from the commentary box. He's captaining yeah. the game. 
he does, he's, he's doing what he did as England, England Wales captain of the two of the millennium. He's doing, he's putting that head into commentating. Yeah, no, he is. And, and it's, he's, it's he's always, always good there. value. Um, you met and Richie Benno as well once, didn't you? Am I right? Twice, twice. Twice once you met Richie Benno? Once was in 2005, mm. at the end of the very, very much very effective third day in the 2005 Ashes, where we were just about trying to get up Australia to follow up. And we just missed, and Ward was putting on some runs. Ward got 90 yard, and we just avoided the follow up. I cried. Anyway, I put my hand around it because I put my hand around people that have a picture. Yeah. This is all for Richie Benno, pressure now. So I did that, and then I met then I, I kept messing at Waterstones in Manchester, right? Dean's Gate, which would have been the fifth day of the test at Old Trafford the next year against Pakistan, but it finished on the third day when I was there on the Saturday, and he was there. It was, good job, good job. It finished then because if I remember correctly, it chucked it down that day. She did it invariably the second half of the summer of 2006 and summer of 2007, but the first half of 2006. So what's mm. Anyway, he. And I'd be picture with him now. So he was someone I greatly admired as a commentator, obviously far too young. Oh, yeah. Richie Benno, the, Benno, the player who retired, well, because his test career finished in 1964, wasn't it? So far too, far too young for me, but considering I didn't, I, I didn't, I wasn't born until the year of Orwell, 1984. So, but very much, although I love the players, that I got for someone I used to like to like, like, like watching growing up, but. I don't think the last time I saw Darren Goff, would you believe, was in um, at Vicarage Road, Watford. Was he watching Barnsley? Uh, he wasn't even, but no, he wasn't watching Barnsley. I can't remember who we were playing, but um, I think when he, obviously he's from Barnsley, but he, he lives, he lives quite near Watford sort of way. Uh, and he was just on the next table to me as I was having sort of dinner with a friend, a couple of friends and ended up having a long chat to him. <laughs> More about football than cricket, sadly, on that occasion. For Watford, was my second ever United match. It was October 1999, United won 4-1. Yeah. Then scored a penalty just before half-time. Yeah. Uh, York and Cole scored shed in the three goals. Richard Johnson scored for Watford. And Mark Williams, was, yeah. Mark Williams was sent off. Yep. Goodness. Off the so, so, so Andrew, that, that, that actually brings me on to a question I was going to ask you because in in uh, the I've Got a Stat for You book, it, it it works beautifully, but you clearly have an association type memory that whatever's happening in your life, you seem to be able to recall instantly a kind of a simultaneous sporting moment <laughs> down to quite a level, quite a level of detail. Football cricket, because that's that's how I relate to what I was doing on that day. But the thing is, I'm not. That's that's my type of memory. But she asked me do three tasks and do three tasks in the house. Pick up this, pick up that, pick up this. I can yeah. get easily waylaid, easily waylaid, distracted, especially with test match on TV or something on TV. Yeah. But certainly, asking to do certain tasks, I can get waylaid. So certainly regarding dates, the dates of football and cricket matches. Not such football now because I've very much been disillusioned with football now for close to 10 years. Mm. But very much, it's how I, how I, 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 I relate to what I was doing on that day. Now, also, I do, I have cheated in the last decade or so, well, for the last 12 years, because right. I keep, I kept a calendar of every day, made notes on it. Yes. And then I, after that, I had diaries from 2015. 
20 days from 2015 to the end of 2019. But now I keep it on a Google calendar on my phone. Mm. So it's not been too as busy as you, it's not been busy as you particularly expect. Most of my social like things have been like uh, podcasts and so forth recently. Podcasts, <laughs> podcasts. Not, it's, it's not just cricket. Well, there's a lot of the, there is a lot of them about. <laughs> well, it's not just cricket, but also autism based ones as well. Right. And also, one matter that's been really good during the pandemic was it's quite poignant, really, because this was on the evening, my marshal on 6th of February, the 6th of January yeah. Yeah. was in the, in the morning. I gave a unique to talking about our unique relationship. And I didn't mention cricket, but what, what the relationship with cricket. And then that evening, I had a committee at AGM at Church Cricket Club on Zoom. And they decided to make me a volunteer officer for diversity. Now, as soon as I came off, I felt a bit poignant, really, because when I'd come off the Zoom, because we used to have Zoom quizzes with the club mates in summer, and the first thing I wanted to do was go in the kitchen to my seat in the kitchen and say, Ma, you'll never guess what. They've put me on the Church General Committee. Brilliant. But obviously she wasn't there, was she? So, but then the thing is, and I won't look to a cricket club. I've been fantastic. We've lived like me and my family since past since, since she passed away, even a couple of days before. Well, they've been fantastic. We have they, they, they've been marvellous to me. The club have. I had condolence cards off them. Mm. I had personal messages off people. I had hundreds in the group chat off off them club group chat, and the club have been so kind that they've paid for a plaque. And for black for plaque to go out to, to name the next in my in my, my Hazel Davis's memory, and for black armbands for both the first game of the se- first game of the first in the season, which is two weeks before mine in the second, and one of what and they paid for black armbands for both teams, and wow. thirty of them were paid for, and they allowed me and I I've just I'm going to keep five because I'm going to keep it for keep it for the family five and the rest can obviously will obviously allow our cup to have them. Does the um, so you you still watch a lot of cricket. You play a lot of cricket. Um, um, actually, I didn't play any cricket really till so thirty three. That game against when I took the catch against Redford of seconds of Frank Tanner and Sundar was my first senior cricket match ever. Red ball cricket or white ball cricket, which is no, your preference? Cricket, cricket, cricket. cricket. Just cricket. <laughs> Doesn't matter about the colour of the ball or the length of the game. Well, obviously, I prefer a red ball, so it's a nice to feel. But, so, but, right. uh, but then it was just, it was the first senior game I've ever had, the age of 33. So I just thought I wanted to give it a go. Like I said, I kept looking at the scorecards at Chirk and saw the seconds of conceding matches. And I, I got in touch with them and then did my research on top of that and found my captain, Mr. Dean Skinner, went for a lovely walk with this lunchtime. Oh, nice. And uh, we had a very much shared ethos over cricket. Went for a coffee he did with me and my mother mm-hmm. in Middle of Exeter. And we had a shared ethos regarding how our standard of any cricket should be played with the manners and so forth. And that, yeah, we want to win. Once we, what the main matter is to enjoy it. We're not Joe Root. We're not James, Jimmy Anderson. We're not an evil cricketer. And it's no. the second thing. We're not going to sledge. We just want to. Enjoy ourselves, but Enjoy also perform. And and I always think we'll, you'll probably know this as well as me, Mr. Bishop. I think cricket in this country 
So it's EWCB, because I call it EWCB. Yeah, England and Wales Cricket Board, yes. Yeah. I definitely think it undersells how, how much of a fantastic product we have with the county championship. Because I think there's, na- there's nations in the cricketing world, four member nations, who would, I wouldn't say kill, but the, even in India, I would imagine you get the interest in the championship game the Ranji Trophy, Trophy that you ordered in the championship game. No. Yeah, so depend, depending where you go, yes, Somerset or Worcester might be full all the time. But oh, oh God, nice day, even in championship cricket. But I think generally the EWCB and I think the media, gen, the mm. media generally of some of the people who aren't, aren't knowledgeable about cricket underestimate how much interest there is in county championship matches. Just championship matches, you look on cricket info, you look on the streams, like I hear Somerset is fantastic from all accounts. The club uh, streams. Have you been talking to Annie Chay by any chance? Have no, you been talking to Annie? Only I've just heard it's very, I've, I've just heard it's been very, I've just heard oh, right, okay. I've not actually verbally spoken to, I've only ever spoken via <laughs> email. And right, so, okay. But like all of, the, all of them have really stepped up during the pandemic from all accounts. Like, I watched the, I watched the, Moment is Trophy Fan on YouTube. Ah, yes. And, and, and that was getting what I would suggest would be more than what would have been if it was on Sky, Sky Sports covered it on, at Lords, but on their YouTube channel. But I'd suggest the, 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 the figures they got on YouTube was more than what they would have got on television. Yeah, which, it was phenomenal. Because it's, oh, like yeah. it's like a million, million viewers over four days, wasn't it? Which is more than what it would get if it was on Sky Sports Cricket, I would suggest. And I think people even, and that's, I think when people underestimate that, and it's not just updates on Sky Sports, there's, there's cricket ball, there's local radio, BBC local radio, there's, there's all sorts of people, in, and, and it's a very fantastic product. Well, well, I think the point you make that the EWCB has a product it doesn't, probably fully realise the value of is very, very well made. Um, now, I'd like to ask you... Um, and and that, I just want one, one more. Yes, of course. That brings, us, that brings us up to another point when I said about Lancashire and Manchester United. Someone who right. knows the price of everything, but the value is not Yes. Far. Yes, so, yes, no. yes, yes. Now, I, I've... Um, I've Well, I've enjoyed my trips to old... Well, both both Old Traffords uh, over the well, years. Actually, old, old Trafford... Old Trafford Cricket is not the place it used to be. It's not a nice... No, I, nice I, I, I remember it's you saying. It, it, the loud music at T20s, and I've, it, it, I, I've got in touch with the club over this many times. They gave me a suite, but then I just couldn't... I, I still only heard the loud music. My sensory is my autism. And it's, I've tried to change matters, but it just used to be... I just ended up watching it on the screen they had in the, in the suite in the end because it's unacceptable the very loud music they have at T20 matches. Mm. Yes, I'd love to go watch the county championship matches. Championship matches I used to go and watch. I've only been able to go to watch one at Coin Bay in 2019, yeah, and one against Hampshire in 2017, where Anderson was actually playing his boy in that day. Right. Um, I think Carl I've got about 90 yards in Sky Sky Catch. Yeah. And uh, and I, I, I people like I say this brings us to the point I just made. People might not be able to physically go to a championship cricket, so the but people are keeping an eye on it all the time. They're looking at the scores repeatedly. They, they're, they're on their laptops. They're on their smartphones. Uh, they're on streaming services. 
Um, but that's because county championship cricket is not at an accessible time. Now, T20 Old Trafford is a very accessible time when, yes. when, 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 when crowds are permissible outside of the pandemic. But it's not particularly welcoming as it used to be because it's a very corporate environment. The music is unbearably loud where you can't even hear yourself think, basically. And you can't hear the players talk on the field. You can't hear the, the crowd. The crowd you can't hear the crowd. Mm. You can't hear the, hear the players. And now this is completely different that artificial crowd noise compared to say the southern southern Asian nation, southern Asian full member nation mm. plays a limited overs game all time. Yeah, I love the noise of like Pakistan fans or India fans. Yeah. Because that is part of the experience. And this in your head, it's just not part of why I want to go to cricket. Yeah, jazz it up a bit to get 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 the wider audience or mm. a certain type of audience but it just seems to be it's going to go down the route of darts if we're not careful because nice. that that is the most violent sporting event I've ever ever been to and ever will be go to goodness me that is the most violent sporting event I've ever been to and if we're not careful team, well certainly at Old Trafford in the past and I certainly suggest Possibly the the, the the what the what's really going to end up with a hundred is this crowd is going to end up heavy drinking. I don't like at a test match where people can ration their drinking or they can have a pint an hour or so now. I'm teetotal with the autism and the medication I'm on. But if you have a pint an hour, they might have two in a session, say, and then they're fit well over by the last session. But at a T20, people are probably get getting finishing work, getting wrecked yeah. coming from the office and so forth. Or we're just going to end up with a situation like the dance, BDC dances. Where they put me off that and T20 cricket, I'd love to go watch it, but it's the noise, not the noise of the fans, the it's noise of the public tannoy, the tannoy of the music. It's just, I go to hundreds of gigs, I've been to hundreds of gigs of so many genres, I don't think mm. many of us would believe because I'm a BBC Six music listener, but that and it all happened is just terrible, it's just artificial. It's, well, no, I take your point. Can I ask you um, a bit about your uh, a more recent book? Not your most most recent, I don't think. But um, you have you've written the book about a vision of exercise. Yes. That's and it's um, uh, it sort of brings together uh, individual stories of organisations and individuals whose physical and mental well being is improved in some form or other by exercise now there's a beautiful forward written by sarah taylor isn't that the england wicketkeeper yeah, how yeah. um how did you line up sarah taylor to uh, to write that for uh, you because it's beautifully done it was i got in touch with henry cowan at the ewcb of the ladies team mm. and she stalled on it for quite some time, just as what was about to come out. Mm -hmm. So I went and did in the end. I tried to get Jonathan Short on board. Got in touch with Warwickshire, but they told me that it's during his last season, last season playing for Warwickshire in the second division, and but he turned me down. So then, just as that happened, that same day, she accepted to do it in Spencer because she stalled on it and stalled on it a bit. But then, I, unfortunately, I've never met Sarah Taylor. Which is a pity. I would have loved to have met her because I, I, I get the impression you're a very interesting person. Mm. But uh, I've, I've had emails off her, but I, 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 I would like to have met her because I think she's a fascinating human being. But 
the thing was, it was a lovely forward. And for my blog, so we took my little pattern of cricketers stand, that stand. I, uh, I went on a research trip to Edgbaston uh, at the end of the 2017 season in October. Me and my nephew went down on the direct train from Wrexham to Birmingham for the England Vision Impair team. And we, and we both tried on the goggles, the three different, three different severities of goggles. And that was an experience. It was wonderful. I've been very, very welcomed by the Commissioner Pair team, the coach at the time, obviously still the coach now, Ross Hunter. And then not long after that, they were into, they were on Sky Sports, mm. like the, the, the zone and the net. Well, at Mike Arthurson and Nasser Sain, I'm going to go with the with, 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 with the goggles on, especially Nasser Sain. And I think other England cricketers had to go, like Owen Morgan's had to go, Alex Hales had to go. And put us in the better at, at uh, traditional cricket than what they were at basically paired cricket. So totally got a different scale. Well, one of the one of the organisations you talk about in the book is the um, the Lord's Taverners. Yes, I do. and the work that they do. What what particularly about that um, got them got them into your into your book, as it were? I don't know really. I don't know. They just replied. I got into, I, I'd get in touch with all these different people. I think ah. a, a different idea would come into my head every day. A different idea I'd see on the BBC News app regarding yeah. fitness or mental health. And it just thought it was a good idea. And I thought, I like cricket, which you know, my favourite sport. Mm. I just thought, I just thought I'd give it a try. And they, and they replied, they sent me all the information and they were very, they were very, they were all right. I didn't beat anyone from there uh, physically, but... Uh, like I said, my favourite part of the research of the book, because I was very much at a crossroads halfway through the book, both with my own training. I went mm-hmm. from a, one trainer who, well, one trainer who we thought was a family friend, but started basically bullying my mm-hmm. mother, my sister, and myself. And then I found another gym. I was about to give up in Queens. I was quite overweight at the time in Queens, very flinchy, called Number One Health Stand Performance. It's no problem. Right. Uh, and we've got a chapter in, the, in that book. And um, I had a coach called Gareth, coach called Gareth Theo Roberts, master scientist. He left just before the pandemic, and now Chris Hibbert's my coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing is, with them, it saved my life. It saved my life, number one, HSP. But I don't mind admitting in the summer of 2017, oh, wow. it saved my life. And not only do I train there, you've got a Paralympic medalist trains there who helped with the book, who was in the book, and she just earned a more than seven dollars card when my mom passed away. And mm. there have been certain events, events like she was, they were at the book signing when that book signing was there, and they were at an event with autism. And there's other people fr- from the book, like, and, 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 and the current Welsh National Football Society, and Ryan Hedges. Yes. Played for Valentina, played for Aberdeen. Got injured for the rest of the season. Uh, we've got... Manchester United Academy football, Academy football under 19, Academy football in Welsh under 19 international. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. I can do much head up to them, which I'm very, very okay. proud of. And uh, we've also got a we've also got Welsh International Rugby League International. Reese Williams plays for Salford City Bears. I don't know, he went as the youngsters say, he went viral at the beginning of the 2020 Super League season because he's got inside for Salford City Reds. He beat about seven players. Uh, scored at Walker Fowler in the stadium, what was McCarthy right. Stadium, and people were comparing him in appearance to uh, Mohamed Salah. So oh, he went a bit viral oh. for a bit. So he changed to IGM. And we've also got the well, TNS trainer IGM, 
Chester FC have trained I think Conorsky have, but they don't anymore. Well, it is before the pandemic, they didn't. Well, you, you quote so, a stat in this book, and the... Um, the vision of exercise, uh, tales of inspiring people and organizations, or tales of inspiring people and organizations. Uh, there's some US research that says increasing your activity levels to three times a week can reduce risk of depression by 20%, which is um, it, it, the, 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 the connection you make between exercise and well being and how individuals and organizations enable that. Is a is a really interesting theme that kind of runs right through the book and is illustrated by a number of different examples that you kind of bring to life as stories throughout the book. Well, well, one statistic I like to like to recite regarding that mm. is one of my non-profit speeches on PowerPoint. Is the uh, the average life expectancy for someone on the autistic spectrum is seventeen years less than the average. Wow, yeah. Um, that's because of less active lifestyles, probably less encouragement to train. But you've also got to find the correct environment for you, not just any environment. Look, I'm training. You've got to find an environment that is, is good for you and you're happy there, genuinely happy. It took me 15 so, years to find one before before number wow. one, 15 years. So, so this is another example of, of your your condition Dri- driving you to find solutions that have helped other people, which is which is phenomenal. I don't mind helping other people, but I, I, sometimes, sometimes I just I'm, I'm just happy if I can help myself. Uh, if my, my, my if me and my family can help me, or I can help them, that's what I really want to do. Because with the exercise, I've trained pretty much mm. every week during the pandemic. When the gym's been open and stuff, and my sister, right. I used to Melanie, uh, redeveloped her garage. And this is your sister, it's Melanie, it. isn't it? Yeah. 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 So she redeveloped her garage next door into mm. a gym. And we've trained pretty much every day, throughout, every day, Monday to Friday, through the pandemic, as, as well as it, 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 sporadically with the various lockdown restrictions and so forth. And number one, HSP. Um, during the lockdown, I've lost three stone. Wow. Well, you're looking very good on it, I may say. Well, the problem was I lost the weight Yeah. when it first went to number one, but then I fell into an eating disorder, my, my old eating disorder. Oh, dear, right. My autistic eating disorder where I got obsessed with having protein and having and not processing information about how carbohydrates were good for me or carbohydrates through my workout, protein repairs the muscles, and that I've got to have, well, to give it simple, simple, simplistic for me, two and a half grams of protein per, ca- per kilogram I weigh, and four point five to five kilogram for five, five grams per kilogram of carbohydrates I weigh, and I was doing it all the wrong way around. So I just oh, got no. something really bad in my head with my eating disorder. Yeah, and I put weight on last, well, the, not this. Uh, early, late 2019, early 2020, mm-hmm. and then I just felt I let down like my old coach down before he before he moved jobs, in the careers. But fortunately, I I like to say lost more more than the weight now, and I'm the slimmest I've ever worn. I've been on fitter than I've been. That that's that's fantastic. Let me let me close by just asking you, you. Um, one more question: you. Have you found, or do you find now, 
that understanding of autism is changing, improving. And do you feel that by writing that, uh, I've got a stat for you, with your website, with, with the conversations such as we're having here, are you finding that people are better understanding the challenges and ways to be understanding and to help? Understanding and awareness are two different matters. I right. think general public are very aware of autism nowadays. Yeah. Which is weird when I was first diagnosed in April 1989, mm. or even in my formative years. But the services that, that were designed for people with autism and other conditions mm-hmm. are non-existent now since the, since the, the session of 2008. And I do feel, and there's lots of good autism, regional and local autism charities have taken, the third sector have taken over from the public services. But I still feel there is certainly a big gap for these, char- these local and regional autism charities, including the one called Your Space, I volunteered for. I won an award for that as well. Uh, but there seems to be a gap after someone reaches adulthood after they reach 19 or 25, where ideally I want to go out on dates with girls. I did go mm. on a date till I was 30, so I was old as I, almost 30, almost, 30, almost 34, so just 33. Mm. And there doesn't seem to be very much in the way of catering for these people, because these people are out there. They're out there. Yeah. Well, uh, something like 700,000. I think it's more. more. I think you it's more. you said in the book that it's probably more than that. That's the I figure know, you quoted there. I'd, I'd say by, 10, by some distance, there's more people with autism undiagnosed than actually been diagnosed. Wow. I, I, I'd say that. I'd say, I can't give you exact numbers because it's, it's a supposition, but I'd say more people have autism in the United yeah. Kingdom that haven't been diagnosed and have. And I would say there's always people out there that are looking for girls out there who are looking, look, looking to go on, on dates, I'd like to think. But without going on to online dating, mm-hmm. which is very much a minefield and a bit of a jungle, it's very much a lot more difficult to find these, those girls because I realised from the experience of going on dates with girls who haven't been autistic or have had difficulties, shall we say, or eccentricities, mm-hmm. that unfortunately with my condition and the person I am, it's very unlikely I would find someone who isn't has a similar condition like autism, OCD, dyspraxia, or some such. Because people, people demonstrate... The, the the condition as it were in different ways, so it's it's yes, it's, but, but yes, but people I, like no two I, people are the same as it were. No, exactly. Which, but I do think I do think there's got to be people. There's people out there who would who I've got these conditions that mm. probably date me and have a long term relationship. But then it's find those people without going without going on the jungle that is online dating, and that's in the modern day, day even before the pandemic that is very difficult in a. I'd say more permissible, less stressful environment, like clubs and things like that for people of a certain... And yeah. some of those people anyway, they, they might be career people, people with really high-ranking high jobs, mm-hmm. uh, high-professional jobs, and they happen to be autistic, but they may 
But no. Yeah. Because wow. you can't then. But then you're not going to find these people, fortunately, from my experiences. And the autism charity, and that's where the autism charities, unfortunately, probably due to money and resources mm-hmm. and numbers, and numbers as well, numbers accessing the service in this particular uh, subsection of people with autism aren't going to do that. So it's, unfortunately, it's online dating or not at all. Mm. So, and, I, and I've been stood up four times and I've all, all some really horrible people. Last girl I did was three months, for three months, uh, this time last year. And a uh, lovely girl, and she had OCD, and I think she was a bit on the spectrum as well, but lovely, lovely girl. And apart from the fact, I, don't, I think in the end she wanted a friendship, but it was very much, it was someone that, that type of person, but wants a relationship and probably lived a bit closer than what the girl did to me and Axel, would probably be ideal because all those girls exist, but you have to go on online dating to do it. And it's not, it's not a nice place. No, um, I, I, I can understand that. Let me just, let me just finish. And there should be right. places, there should be places where people who are autistic. I, 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 it's not always a, it's such a broad spectrum like we've discussed but there's, I feel a lot of what I would like in my life is not always the representation or support from outside mates and family because none of my mates are autistic yeah but and I, 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 but they're for say if you're 16 or younger so are you, well, are, are you fitted to a little box, a different box? No, I understand. So, Andrew, Andrew, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. Cricket as a theme through your life, autism as, you know, the, the, the challenges you've met and the way that you've written about it. Um, anybody who reads, I've got a stat for you, my life with autism, will come out having a better understanding of the condition um, whilst also being inspired by some of the stories and the wisdom that, that it contains, I think. The other book we've talked especially about... By mother, especially by my, my late mother, my late beloved uh, Very much I, I, uh, I in the book is... A, I, think she's just, I think she's more of the hero of that book than me. Well, and, and that does come across. Uh, the, the second book um, is A Vision of Exercise, Tales of Inspiring People and Organisations that Andrew has also written. Um, that in, is also... And also, there's a, a website, isn't there, Andrew, that people can go a, to find you? A Vision of Exercise was the third book I wrote. There's I, the second I, one, yes. Tell us about that quickly. The, well, the first one I wrote was on um, the history of Brumble football and cricket. That's right. The Village Max, and then there's the memoirs, which I did concurrently, and then mm. A Vision of Exercise was in 2018. So well, that's, that's, that's a fair body of work. Andrew, it's been an absolutely fascinating Thank conversation. We really you. enjoyed it. Um, we hope to have you on Gorilla Cricket another time soon. Um, in the meantime, I'm just going to say thank you very much indeed. Enjoy. Uh, let's best wishes for Lancashire this season. Well, we hope to get to see well, some cricket, don't we? Well, I've, I've got, it looks like I'm going to see the two of the tests against India, one at Lords and one at Old Trafford after June the 21st. So that's something. So. Well, let's, let's, you will indeed see some cricket. Andrew, once again, thank you so much. It has been an absolute delight to meet you. Thank you very much, Mr. Bishop. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care now. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Revolutionary 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 Revolut
Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.